Welcome to Conversations on Life, Work, and Love, hosted by coaches Bonnie Blackstone and Ramey Gibbs. Our focus is to give voices to Gen X women and help them achieve a well-lived life. Good afternoon, Ramey. How are you? Doing good, Bonnie. So we're we're back from a couple of weeks of hiatus. Mm-hmm. Somebody went to Ireland for two weeks and had an amazing time. Wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. You had a good incredible. time. You did. Highly recommend it if you ever get the opportunity. It's a uh, very enlightening in so many ways. It was beautiful. Um, really stirred up a bunch of interesting thoughts and processing about all the conflicts they've had over there. And mm-hmm. um, and it's amazing how expensive it is over there too, by the way. Oh, we were really? just looking at our total, how much we actually spent. And we're like, how are we going to pay for this now? <laughs> <laughs> I know. You're on vacation just handing out a credit card. and Exactly. Like, oh, Lord. Yeah, we did the yeah. same thing just in Hawaii. It's like, good Lord. <laughs> Yeah, and everything is so expensive. It's mm-hmm. not just here. It's there. It's everywhere. I mean, we think we're in this bubble, but we're not. Yeah. That's what I love about traveling, to be able to come home and have that fresh perspective or, or some mm-hmm. eye-opening moments. It sounds like that's what happened Absolutely. for you. Yeah, I, had, yeah. I think probably had several, but yeah, every time I travel, that's what I love about it too. It's just, um, it's so enlightening. You know, especially the international travel. So, mm, so cool. Yeah. Well, Remy, what are you reading these days? Anything good? So, you know, we're doing a flashback thing here mm-hmm. and started picking up on some Judy Bloom. I'm sure everybody has heard that the movie came out. Um, Dear God, it's me, Margaret. And she also did a really cool documentary. So seeing these things, you know, I kind of wanted to go see what's what's out there and wanted to reread Dear God, It's Me, Margaret. And it stirred up a lot of memories and things that uh, may have that were impactful then. But I think to reflect on it now are even more impactful. Um, And then I actually went to the used bookstore and picked up some of her adult books that Mm -hmm. I didn't even really know existed. So. How about you? Yeah, <laughs> right? well, I read those two. I read again the "Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret." Um, I think I read it the first time when I was about ten or eleven. Um, same, same, yeah. And then I jumped right into "Forever," and then "Wifey." We're mm-hmm. gonna have some fun talking about those. Yeah, just went total fangirl. I watched the documentary, and for those of you who. Um, I, I can't imagine in our generation that you have not heard of Judy Bloom. Uh, I'd like to know where you lived, wow. under which rock. Right. But <laughs> um, yeah, I highly recommend listening to this documentary. It'll give you such a fresh perspective or insight on how amazing this woman is, not only as an author, but just as an advocate and just a really cool person. Yeah, it's on uh, Amazon Prime. Right? Amazon Prime, yeah, yep. yeah. So yeah, that's um took up a majority of my reading in the last few weeks and it's been fun. Um it has been. And so I think we want to talk about today just reflecting on what it is that Judy Bloom brought to our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are Gen X and she really wrote for our generation, I think, that maybe a little bit of of the boomers, because she most of her books came out in the the seventies and eighties, I believe. But I think, "Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret." Were really, it's really the book that girls could relate to and to grow from and to develop. And maybe your parents talked to you about stuff, maybe they didn't, but mm-hmm. it it really gave voice to all of these taboo talk topics, you know, that yeah. we couldn't talk about with your parents. Yeah, I mean, it really did. I I think it was almost a handbook for some of us. Um, My mom gave it to me when I was that age. And, you know, we had talked, but um, it's funny. And I don't know how much it's changed exactly. But for us, Ramey, maybe you too, 
it was so secret and taboo. You're going to have a little visitor every month. Um, you're a woman. It wasn't dinner room table talk. Definitely. Mm-hmm. It was like a little secret you and your mom had together. Or uh, it was it's so weird. So weird. When you think back on it. Well, it is. And, it you know, it's it's kind of funny, too, because you start, if you see the movie, you'll really feel this even more than the book. You're like, why do they want that? So when I went to see the movie, there was a little girl, I think she was nine, that was sitting next to me and, and her, her mom was there. And funny enough that it was dark and she came in after it was already dark. And I happened to know the person that was sitting next to me and her daughter. <laughs> it was at the end of the movie. And I'm like, I think that's Lisa and, and Lola. And sure enough, it was. So it was just funny. So because I could hear Lola saying, Mom, why would anybody want their period? Why do they want that? Well, really, why do they want that? I mean, oh, but God, yeah. It's like, well, that was cool for a minute. Now, can you take it back? I have to have this for the next, what, 40 years? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I have to change out this mess and I'm going to have cramps and I'm going to make messes on my pants and all of the things we had to go through. Moody and pimples and oh, yeah. And then at the end, menopause. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Freaking hell, man. Being a woman totally. is no Freaking fun. Hell. Yeah. No. So, you know, it really brought back some thoughts for me and on a couple different things. And But it, it was that first, okay, trying to get your period. Now, so but I'm going to share my story, Bonnie, and then you, maybe you can share yours a little bit. But Sure. So I think I read it um, probably, I think it was fourth or fifth grade. I'm not sure which. Um and my mom was pretty good about having the conversation with me. So I, I knew, um, though, do you really ever know until it happens? I mean, you don't really know what, how this experience is going to be. But I had gone through, and I imagine it was for you too. So I lived in Illinois at that age, and we had a assembly for all the fifth grade girls. Mm-hmm. And they came and talked about what menstruation was. And then at the end, we got this big box of product so that we'd have a stash when we needed it. And I remember taking it home's green. I still remember the box was green. And it had different kinds of pads, different thicknesses. I don't even remember what else was in it, but that's what I remember. Um, Stashing it under my bed when I got home because I hadn't started yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But Interesting after that, because I did start at 10, I was so young when I started developing. Um, I had to wear a bra, a period started. And unlike the book where everybody was talking about it and excited about it, I was ashamed. I was so young and so naive and so scared, even though I knew what it was, um, sort of, right? So the first time, because I had my box, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't even tell my mom. Um, the second time I was like, I guess I need to tell my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just remember the leaking and I remember a friend one time saying I was riding my bike, um, and I got off the bike and apparently it, you know, pushed blood all over my pants. And she's like, you got your period. And I'm like, no, I've had my period for two years. Right. Cause finally at 12, it was normal. Yeah, no, it was not good for me, but <laughs> now it was not a fun experience for me either. Um, I, you know, I had the talk, so I, I knew what to expect. And um, I was 12 when I got mine. So I think that is probably about average. And yeah, we had the same assembly, probably about fifth or sixth grade. And by the way, I just asked my daughter, Amy, and she said, yeah, Ellie just went through, they still have the assemblies where they separate they the boys. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious, you know. Um, so yeah, I was 12. It was the summer between sixth and seventh grade. I was made to feel like it made me delicate. Like mm-hmm. mom told me, oh, well, you're when you're, you know, having your monthly, you can't ride your bike, you can't ride your horse. I don't know why not to this day what the logic yeah. was behind that, but I was like, what the hell? 
<laughs> That's well, what I do all summer. Maybe because oh. it would squish it out, like what happened to me. Maybe. <laughs> so. I, I don't know if there was like some physical uh, ailment she was worried about. Or remember back in the old days when if you broke your hymen accidentally, oh, yeah. you could be um, considered not a virgin. I don't know, maybe sure. that. I guess, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I just know. remember it being a really weird time. And even though we were all privy, we really didn't talk about it. There was this weird kind of a, a secret or shame around it. You know, with the um, yeah. go to school and that would be the only time of the month that I would carry a little purse and have my little products in there. Yeah. And it's like everybody knew. So if you went to your little cubby or your hook or your locker to get your purse and go to the bathroom. They're like, everybody ah, knew what was going away. on. Yeah. So what you do, you just sit and pray nothing leaked out. And sure enough, you'd walk right. around the next rest of the day with a sweater tied around your waist. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, I still, I was just uh, reminded of a couple other things with in my own situation. So I remember at 12 and 13 and 14, um, well, maybe not 14, but 12, 13, the other girls would be like, oh, I started my period. I started, you know, like they were excited about it. And I'm like, okay. Um, at, and where I went to school, um, we had to change for PE. And as part of that, you had to take a shower. And yes. so you could, on that time of the month, skip the shower. And so I remember, because again, embarrassed, didn't want anybody to know. I was so young. Um, for the first year, maybe even two, I would take the shower and just hope that I didn't have it leaking down my leg, right? Oh, God. I just didn't want have anybody a, to know. Have a carry moment. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it sad when you think about how at 10 and 12 years old, um, we're basically babies and we are stuck with this female curse? Well, yeah. And then truly it is a curse. <laughs> I yeah. Know. I mean, mm. so I chose not to have kids. So it was a complete, why do I even have this? period to begin with right yeah so yeah if you have kids I guess it kind of makes sense but it's still why it is a curse why why did God or whatever you believe in choose to build the woman's body to to do this because it's hideous (laughs) yeah it's like damn (laughs) and then and then you get to trade it in for menopause yep yeah, just yeah. looking forward to that time. Now all that business is done, and I get to just be a regular old cranky old lady. Right. <laughs> what what fresh hell comes then? I don't know yet. So did you now the the whole you know we must we must we must increase our bus. Now did you have to deal with that? I developed early, and so it wasn't a thing. Oh, for me, I know it did for a oh while. yeah, I was um built like a boy. Um, Well, my entire life until I had implants and, you know, when I was, I think, 31, just because I was tired of it. It was, I don't think it was so much as an adult, the breast thing as just, I wanted to wear normal clothes. I wanted to um, not have the bathing suit fall off, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and have some curves. Sure. Um, But, oh, yeah, we, I pray... I prayed for breasts constantly. Um, <laughs> we were in high school. There was this thing going around. If you were, if you had teeny little boobs, you you were part of the itty bitty titty committee. <laughs> mm, yes, I remember that phrase. <laughs> yeah, and the boys were relentless. Yeah. So, and I was the opposite. I was the girl that was fully developed, and you know, in the in the movie, that was me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. The hide, trying to hide behind shirts and big stuff and whatever. Um, so it's hard no matter which side you're on. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's that's what I mean. I mean, you're having enough of a time as a young girl just trying to fit in. Because that's and all then you get this whammy. Age, right? Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. Or, you know, if you're a tomboy, you're like, what is this? Yeah. 
Now I can't go swimming. Um, oh, that was another big thing. Not being mm-hmm. able to swim. And I, do you remember the first time uh, you used tampons? And for me, it was to go to a pool party. Yeah. Yeah. I was late into my teens. Um, not only because my mom didn't feel it was appropriate as a, mm-hmm. a young girl or a, a young teen, which was right. really pretty typical back then. By the time I was experimenting with them, and I always did, I always, you know, tried it out. Um, we went into that. Do you remember the whole period of um, toxic shock syndrome where so and so left a tampon in and died? So, yeah. you know, now you can die from a tampon. Right. <laughs> we just can't win. Yeah. yeah. So for yeah. me, it was the pads for a long time. Yeah, I wore them for a long time too. Probably, gosh, I don't even remember. I think I was fifteen or sixteen when I finally switched. Mm-hmm. Probably sixteen. Probably sixteen. Yeah, it's about me too. But it, but it was for a pool party. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I grew up in the the Northwest where. Um, <laughs> if you live by the beach, you're attracting sharks. If you live in the Northwest, you might attract a bear. <laughs> <laughs> right. like, just stay home. oh goodness terrible the joys of being a woman yeah and you know what it sounds like not much has changed um since judy bloom came out with this book um i like to think that our male species has gotten a bit uh more savvy and wise and kind i hope so i know my own i doubt it yeah. Unless they have sisters and a strong yeah. mom, I doubt yeah. it. Yeah. My my son was was I mean, he was pretty good. He had three sisters and um the girls' dad, my ex-husband, was um it was pretty normal discussion around the household. I don't think there was a lot of taboo. In fact, we were at a college softball game uh of Amy's in Arizona and sitting in the stands and uh, Amy yells um, to the stands to her dad, dad, I need some tampons. Can you run and get us some or get me some? <laughs> and one of the other girls was like, yeah, me too. And Bruce was like, God damn it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, it's like she, it's funny. She asked her dad and didn't ask me, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and dad's yeah. like, Oh, I hate how to do this. Why do I have to be girls? Yeah, I guess I'll get in my macho truck and drive my macho self to the 7-Eleven. Right. A six-pack of beer and some tampons. Right. <laughs> Instead of pack cigarettes and whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I like to think that it's it's changed in uh, in that aspect. You know, in talking about Judy Bloom, what I love is how daring she was back then to put into words what young girls needed to hear absolutely um she really did that and um sticking with that book for just a minute the uh, the other hot topic in there was about religion and Mm -hmm. again that's one of those taboo topics and so for me it was um as you know look re-watching it as an adult or rereading it as adult I did both um and thinking about, okay, yeah, so if you are not born into religion, what do you do? So I think during our age, as I know it's even more prevalent now, our generation has done this more with our kids. Um, but in my case, my dad was, um, I'll call him agnostic. I feel mm-hmm. like he was always searching. Um, my mom was... She was born into a Presbyterian family, and so she sometimes held that. But uh, my dad's election was that I should be able to choose right, uh, whatever religion I wanted to be or not be. And so, um, you know, reading and watching the movie and, and seeing Margaret go through that, trying to understand she's got, you know, the Jewish father and the Christian mother or their families were and the how her uh, mom's parents disowned them essentially mm-hmm. because she married a Jewish man um I don't know that kind of brought up a lot for me did it <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And I think it was really bold of her to talk about that. From what I understand in the um, documentary, she's a Jewish woman. So a lot of her books will kind of come from that angle, that angle, that that frame. Um, yeah, the choice, growing up with the choice. And then and do you do your child a service in just giving them because in the book, uh, there was one point where her de- her father says to the other grandma, Margaret is nothing. Yeah, right. Meaning she hasn't chosen her path, spiritual path yet. And sure. Margaret is nothing. And the whole book is about her finding an ally in God because she couldn't really talk to her mom about it or be so open with her peers. So she found an ally in God and she was constantly looking for him. And, and circling back, did you did you feel that as you were growing up with given the um, agnostic angle and the yeah, I Christian think, angle? You know, as a, a child, I think I believed that, or I wanted to believe that there was a God. Mm-hmm. Um, And so the rest of it, I really didn't identify with, you know, there was no religion tied to it other than, okay, I've been told there is a God. So, yeah. um, So, you know, I prayed sometimes it was never a regular thing, but I, I don't think I really started my exploration until college when I took some religion classes and, um, I did have some weird experiences with church as a child because we've talked in several times about how my mom was an alcoholic. And so when she was trying to be good, she would take us to church. And I had some weird experiences with church in those times. Um, she decides I should be baptized and I didn't really understand that. What do you mean? Wash away my sins from before I was born. I don't get this, you know, um, but another time going to a church and, um, not knowing Sunday school got out before the sermon or whatever. And so I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. And I, so I started following the other kids out and they got on this bus. So I got on this bus too. Shouldn't have not been on the bus. You know, and that that fear when I saw my mom and she's like, what are you doing on the bus? Uh, and I, that stuck with me forever. Um, I don't know. So I have weird, lots of weird negative connotations towards church mm-hmm. because of that. Um, anyway, but so and I know your story is is kind of interesting, though. You've told us bar- p- the parts and pieces, but where you grew up in a pretty religious family. Mm-hmm. And at some point you decided it wasn't for you. Yeah, yeah. Just a quick recap on that. Yeah, having grown up with a grandmother who was a recovered alcoholic, born again Christian, hit hit the Jesus pretty hard. And so we we as children grew up um, within the church, um, going to Sunday school. A lot of uh, fire and brimstone, fear of going to hell. And I would say it it wasn't super heavy, um, but it was just a a presence, a confusing presence. Um, Whereas my father was more like yours, more agnostic, maybe even atheist, where, you know, um, church was fishing. It was riding his horse. It was being outdoors. It was communing with nature. New age before new age was cool. And where mom was following more in where she was brought up and where grandma was going. And and we tagged along also. And then, yes, as I grew up, I thought, do I need to raise my children that way? I was terrified. I didn't have them baptized because I thought... I don't know that I believe in that, but there was always that nugget because it was instilled in me. Like, am I dooming them? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Um, it's scary. So I, long story short, um, it didn't suit me. It didn't fit me. And I raised my children to make their own choices. Yeah. And, and I, and I think they did a, a really good job, um, whichever angle they went. I think it's it's interesting in hearing your story and mine and what Judy Bloom wrote on behalf of Margaret 
the um, almost secrecy in the um, religious topics or aspects of it's just the way it is. Don't ask me questions. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, not so much secrecy as just it is what it is. And this is how we are. Um, there's no room for discussion. There's no room for curiosity. You're right. I mean, there is a whole lot of that. And you're you're born into it and mm-hmm. this is it. To the point where you would ostracize a daughter because she married a man of a different faith. Yeah. It's confusing. That's... That makes no sense to me. But that that is how it was and how it is to this day I, in, I in many, many families. What I liked, even coming from a place of, I mean, when I read it as a child, I was going to Sunday school and it was a bit more relatable on, on that. And, but now reading as an adult, I loved the innocence in our conversations with him. Oh yeah. As in, you know, Shamala's well been talking to a trusted um, uncle or grandpa it sure. to me and you know like where were you when I needed you and answer this question and I'm not sure I believe in you because I haven't grown boobs yet <laughs> no, right. it was cute it was it was there was an innocence and a curiosity to it that I really loved absolutely and then not understanding you know I, I, I as a child you, what can you really understand about God and even as an adult, it's you kind of God is what you make it, make him, her, what it. I don't know. Hundred percent, right? Hundred <laughs> percent, and I think that's the whole. In my view, that's what it is. It's who you are on the inside. It's a soul perspective. It's um, how you live inwardly and project outwardly. That's right. that's godlike. Anywho, <laughs> but it does go back to all that taboo confusing stuff we have to just seems like figure out on our own as we grow older absolutely and you we do it or we don't you know mm-hmm. there's some that that piece for a lot of people you know if if you're not born into it you may never tackle it yeah or you may go through life thinking something's missing and you need to figure it out for yourself yeah um my belief is that you have to come to peace with your spiritual self, whatever that looks like for you. You have to develop it because it is an important part of your being. It is. And um, it should be where you are as an individual and not something that's just inherent, handed down. It should come. I think that's where it gets confusing. Is this just it doesn't feel right in in my body? <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, encourage exploration. Mm-hmm. In all things, yeah. encourage exploration. Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's what I love the most about Judy Bloom is her um, audacity to to speak that curiosity, um, and not just from the her children's books on you know on that level I mean she had many she talked about bullying she talked about sex between teenagers um masturbation all these things that I think um are still very taboo as is evident in we're going backwards in our book banning right now oh geez perhaps the topics have changed but really not they're not they're they're not and you know they're not. And then talking about the book banning. So I had no idea until I watched the documentary that she had so many books that were on the censored list. Mm-hmm. Like what? She's Judy Bloom. What are you talking about? She writes kids books. What's happening here? <laughs> but some of them, and you know, I was going through looking at the list. And so are you there? God, it's me. Margaret was on that list. Blubber was on that list, which is about bullying. And it's still true today. Tiger mm-hmm. eyes, Dini, forever. I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. And all she did was give voice to what um, kids were doing and saying and thinking and feeling then so and now. And we're still and now. doing it. Yeah. Right. So we're censoring what? Reality. That's what we're censoring. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
and we're instilling our our values on others where it's none of our business. Right. Um, yeah, it's really sad. Uh, I am so against book banning and censoring. Me too. Um, it it's up crazy. to the parents. If the parents don't want you to read it, then don't read it. But that I don't think that's <laughs> well, government's. It's not the government's job to censor what we read see do it's just not <laughs> well i'll tell you the surest way to get a kid to read a censored or banned book is to tell them they can't <laughs> sure they're gonna get it we did I yeah mean, absolutely we, we read you know forever and wifey when we were kids we read every um Joan Collins, um, what were some of the others? Or even Stephen King, how messed up did oh, yeah. that? <laughs> oh. Stephen King maybe should have been banned. I don't know. There's nightmares there. That's nightmare yeah. making stuff. <laughs> what did I just read? Yeah. But no, and I was a huge Stephen King fan, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I don't get it. I Yeah, makes me angry. Makes me angry. Makes me angry too. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. so let's talk about let's just talk about books for a little bit and then and jump into um some other stuff. But did you have a chance to read Forever or Wifey? I know I read Forever back in the day. I have not reread that one. I did read Wifey, and this is the first time I, I read it. Um yeah. cringeworthy as you yeah. and I discussed. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Um and that's what I, I wanted to to talk about with those books is, first of all, with Forever, little background on it. It's about two teenage kids who, um, seniors in high school, the girl debating whether or not she's going to give in and have sex with her boyfriend. And he is very pushy. Okay. Um, yeah, I remember this, I think. Okay. Yeah. So that made me cringe. I remember... Um, all those things in high school with the boys being so damn pushy and entitled yeah. and, say, and saying no. And it's like, oh, you're if physically you hurting me, me. But if you loved oh. me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like such oh, bullshit. Yeah. Blue balls. Yes, yeah. Yes. Give me a break. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious out there, people. Are boys still that way or are they more evolved now? I doubt it. I'm sure they are still that way. Yeah. When I what I loved about the book, other I I didn't like that part because it brought up too many of the um, handsy dates from high school. Sure. Um, but I loved that it didn't end with a tragic teenage pregnancy. I, I don't know. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert here. But that they were able to just they did it. They lived through it. It was an experience you know, to ponder later, it was the past. And, you know, I think one of the last lines is something like, see you around. Yep, I'll see you around. So forever, she says, forever doesn't always last forever. And I thought that was sweet. Yeah. I thought that was yeah. sweet that she didn't make it about a, the tragic teenage pregnancy or, you know. Yeah. Or I mean, the, the girl's not a slut. Uh, it's, it came from a nice, wholesome perspective, but it was it was graphic. I can see why it would make, you know, uh, some folks in the day flutter a little bit. You know, oh my, sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah. and you know, if we think back to our time as uh, you know, as teenagers, and even more so before our time, but I think the first person you had sex with that generally meant that that's who you would marry, whether it was in wedlock or out, Um, you know, and a lot of people, especially, you know, Catholics, their religion states that there's no uh, sex before marriage. And so um, I don't think where I want to go with this. And so, but you think about it, especially during, those times you really didn't have sex with someone unless you were planning on getting married. Right. And I think that happened often. So when the choice started to be there that you don't necessarily have to make that decision. You don't have to have, you don't have to marry someone if you have sex with them, Mm -hmm. but there, 
and this is a super complicated conversation to really dig into it, but the whole idea of sex when you're young, it should still be, you have to respect your body and it has to be a choice that you want to make. Yeah. And I, and I hope that is a conversation that's being had more often now. We should have asked Melissa and Amy during our um, millennial interview. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we should have. But it was definitely not a subject that was discussed as far way back then, as far as, you know, safe, cautious experimentation is okay. Respect for your body, respect for the other person. It just wasn't. It was it was a hard no. You're not having sex. No, we're not talking about birth control because you're not having sex. Boys will be boys. Don't tease them. Grr, now that just makes me want to murder somebody. <laughs> <hear> that shit. <laughs> yeah, because it's all the boys now get away with everything, or at least they used to. And I think they they really mm. still get they, they get still, off the hook. They get off the hook an awful lot. An awful lot. They do. They do. Yeah. And it's such a yeah. You know, it's the when you have boys, they need to be taught to respect a woman's body, a woman to, in general, not just you know, and and have respect for themselves too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I remember, so like with my mom, her, what she said to me really hit home and I waited because of what she said. So she says to me, and I'm probably 14-ish, 13, don't have sex until you can accept the consequences. Mm. And then she listed the consequences. There's <laughs> nice. pregnancy, there's pregnancy, there's AIDS, there's gonorrhea, there, you know, there's all these diseases you could potentially get. And so do you want to be sick? And do you want a child when you're a teenager? Uh no. Okay, don't those things sound that. terrible. <laughs> right? Exactly. And <laughs> no she hit it at that right age. Where it, it it stuck with me, and in a way, it kind of haunted me, too, because it made me fearful, I think, mm-hmm. of sex. Yeah. And so I didn't learn to enjoy it until I was pushing 30. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I had it before then, sure, but didn't enjoy oh, it. Same. I mean, I had four kids before I turned 30 and really came into it being about something more than just making babies or, you know, part of the relationship where it became more about um, a healthy respect and exploration for myself as a woman. It was was really until I was older. um, And I think that's something we, we definitely don't understand that as young girls, when those hormones kick in and you got a handsome, sweaty guy, I love you. Come on. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it. And you're not even enjoying it. You're just going through the motions. <laughs> well, and you're, you know, you're right. And I think there's, um, for women, for a lot of women, that the idea of having sex is showing love. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. And so whether you're in a relationship or not, if you're a lot of girls, if they're having sex with multiple partners, I'm not saying this is true of everyone, but in a lot of cases, it's a self-esteem issue mm-hmm. because if he has sex with me, it means he likes me, Yeah, um, which is not necessarily true because a lot of times you, there's no respect there. And yeah. I don't know. I've always been, I'd much rather be respected than loved, yeah. you know, for any yeah. general and situation. It's, so. it's a sad disservice to place upon young women that sex equals love wait till you're married you know if if you are good to your man if you are attractive um you're rewarded with this sex and so I can see where the attachment to I'm not worthy I'm not good enough I'm not loved unless I show my love in a sexual way yeah. 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 It's gross, but it it's is gross and it's prevalent. And mm-hmm. it makes me wonder, 
you know, you keep hearing that sex uh, is happening younger and younger and younger, and it's, you know, more common at 12 and 10 now than it ever was. I could, boys were still gross then to me. I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but I, I, so I can't even imagine, but you know, you, you hear all these stories of young, young people having sex now and it's just, yeah. well, there's, uh, you know, maybe a subject for another episode, but the sexualization of children younger and younger. It always makes me laugh, but it's also sad when you look at the the side-by-side memes that you'll see on Facebook or Instagram of um, my 14-year-old niece going to her junior high dance and she's wearing a, a skimpy black dress versus what we looked like in junior high with your your bangs and your, you know, braces and little crocheted vest you know what you you can picture it you know I look like a little girl versus I mean I see my granddaughters going off looking very womanly again that's not and whatever yeah that is not permission no I guess the point is um trying as in my old lady way (laughs) there is some adultifying is that the word that didn't go on in your face way back then sure but like you said it's still not giving permission it is not absolutely because i someone is dressed um Uh seductively does not mean they're open for business you know exactly i don't care if they're 14 or 40 nope no means no exactly Uh, what a what a weird Weird world. And then she she went on to write Wifey, which was just a adult version of um, Forever. Um, and boy, did Wifey get some banning and some backlash because what was it? It was like she was a housewife who was sick of chicken on Wednesday and sex on Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> she, she wanted an, some spice in her life. Yeah, and yeah, and she went looking for it either in her imagination or in real life. She got herself into some trouble. Um, again, oh my god, talk about cringing! <laughs> I almost hated that book. I I think I read yeah. it for the historical value and the research to do this. And as a Judy Bloom fan, I've I you know owed it to her to read it. But I was like, oh, my God, that was definitely a sign of the times. And it was. And, those you know, men what, were disgusting and despicable. Disgusting. <laughs> and the woman is just supposed to put up with it and be happy to be married. And smile. Smile. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so lucky to have this um, house, this roof over my head and this obnoxious man. <laughs> yes. Take care of the children, mm-hmm. the food on the table and do yeah. as I say. Yeah. And fuck you. Thank you very much. <laughs> exactly. And that's about it. Yeah. That was about it. But I was, yeah, I, I finished that book and wanted to throw it across the room. <laughs> I know. There's so many times reading it too, that I was like, what in the world is happening here? Cause just hell no. <laughs> yeah. Hail to the no. Uh-uh. But uh, again, she dared to, and she'll say in the documentary, it was a little bit of her own story. I think so. Um, And I think she did write from experience. She wrote Tiger Eyes about the death of her father. Um, And so that being said, giving voice to young girls and and then later to to housewives, to women, and stirring shit up. Boy, did she. (laughs) She did, you know, and I think she really did write from her perspective. The, you know, the kids' books were written through her eyes of her children. Um, mm-hmm. I think Fudge, Fudge, the Fudge series was based on her son. And, mm-hmm. and and so, and then she went through the different phases where she had her first husband where, you know, he was the father of her children, but they never had that connection. And so it, it was rare during her time to get a divorce, but she did. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And so she yeah. wrote through those different perspectives and I think she really did a good job of telling the stories that girls and women needed to hear and are still yeah. able to relate to today. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the documentary, they were talking to um, some elementary school girls now reading it and um, how much they've gotten from not only um, Margaret's book, but the um, 
Blubber and Deanie. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I didn't know about her until the documentary was how um, approachable she was. She kept, well, she's still alive. Um, so she has these boxes of letters that young girls had written her. And there were a few of them um, showcased on the documentary. These women who wrote to her into their marriage. <laughs> and she know, responded. She responded lovingly and talked yes. about some hard stuff with these girls that had no other. I mean, she was their, uh, are you their God moment? You know, yeah. Are you there, Judy? It's me. I need someone to talk to. And I just thought that was so beautiful. In fact, she flew in for one of their graduations or something. It was like, oh my God. I was like in tears watching that. It was so good. I know. It really was just incredible and powerful because you never think someone of her status would ever respond. Yeah. You would expect it to be her manager or whatever PR person would send a little note back with a picture with her signature on it. Yeah. And apparently she's still to this day in her little bookshop in Key West, very open to displaying the censored and banned books, Um, very open to the LGBTQA, whatever, community. I don't know all the letters. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But you get what I mean. Um, And that, I guess, is the new taboo that they're banning and censoring is information related to that where you know there's a generation of children that that need that connection and she's still championing championing for that even though she's not sitting and writing she's got her little bookstore and she's open to talking she's open to letters she's just remarkable like the world needs more judy bloom they really do we do we need her she's amazing there was um, one of her other books, and she talked about this in the the documentary, and this kind of made me, or made her my hero. Uh, it was the Here's to You, Rachel Robinson. Yes. And um, so in the book, there's one phrase, and I'm just going to quote it, because it says, uh, here's to you, Rachel Robinson. Here's to my whole fucking family. And so she actually had to put up a fight to use fucking in the book because mm-hmm. that was so frowned upon. Um, she had to make the decision that this is what this character would say. This is reality. People use the word. Mm-hmm. Um, and she stood up for herself. She stood up for her character and she stood up for reality, which she has done through her entire life to put that in a book, knowing that she would lose sales. And she did. She lost sales the book was banned. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if she's not making a comeback now, I think it's great. And um, yeah, that's that's the point of what we wanted to talk to everyone about today was just we're such huge fans because the books are good. Books are good and relatable. But she is just such a champion for the girls that we were years ago and the women we are now and the women coming up, she's still, she's still doing it. And we just wanted to showcase her today because like I said, we need more of it. We need a voice. We need more of it. She's, she's iconic and she was a huge part of our generation growing up and still is for girls today and for women today even. Yeah. So, well, and and there was a, a quote at the, uh, from another author at the end of the documentary that um, and he was talking about, you know, the material reading it now, like we were saying, is so cringeworthy. Yeah. And he said she didn't write to be timeless. She wrote to be timely. It was relatable in the time. And that's what makes it timeless now. That's what was happening and in many ways, the narrative may have changed the wording, the the scope of things, but it really seems like not much has changed. We have a long ways to go. We have a long ways to go. And, you know, the stories are still the same. Women or girls still have their period. Divorce still happens. Masturbation still happens. We still have religious conflicts that will go on until eternity. Mm-hmm. And that's reality. And so reality is key here. Mm-hmm. So you fuck it, get... right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So well, here we are. So here we are. And this was fun. We're Judy Bloom fans, Stephen King fans, all the things. Don't tell us what we can't read. Um, yeah. Yeah. We will. Read it. Oh. Yeah. Government, get out of the picture. Go. Right? Get off Go my on. lawn. <laughs> get off my lawn. Yeah. Don't tell me what I can't do. <laughs> exactly. So go get yourself some Judy Bloom. You can find them in used bookstores. I know Ramey and I both have got stacks of them now. And don't don't get them on your ebooks. Get a real book so you can pass them out. And I'm looking it. forward Share to them. doing that. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, I miss that. I miss that. That's the worst thing about my Kindle. I can't hand down a book. And I know. That makes me Share so the happy. Stories. Yeah. Share the stories. Keep it alive. Yeah, she's amazing. Go watch okay. the documentary. Go watch oh, totally. the, yep. the movie. Dear God, it's me, Margaret. It's still in theaters. Um, yes, I still have to catch it. Yeah. Okay. And speaking of telling stories, if you have a story you'd like to share with us, you know, whatever that is, uh, a story that um, of a challenge you've overcome or a relatable life, life story, um, anything, every story matters. And there's always somebody who can learn from it. So drop us an email at conversations on life, work and love at gmail.com. And we'd love to share your story. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, we will talk to you again next week. All right. Until next week, take care. Join us every Thursday for more conversations on life, work, and love. And when you're ready to find your own voice and your own path towards a well-lived life, we'd love to be your coaches. Reach out to us through our websites. You'll find me, Ramey, at renovatedrealities.com. And you'll find me, Bonnie, at bonnieblackstone.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to review, rate, and follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.